As I mentioned, we're going to continue and finish on this message of covenant. And some of you, maybe as we started this service, it was a unfamiliar term. But how many were here last week and enjoyed Brandon? <laughs> Didn't he do a great job explaining some of these things? I heard many stories from each of you just saying, man, that really tied a whole bunch of things together for us. And uh, this morning, I want to finish off with a message that has two particular parts. And so I'm going to do my best to bridge the gap. If you can take me down just a little bit, Terrence. I don't know if there's some feedback. Uh, totally, I hope the, the, the message is able to bridge a gap and help you understand two very important components when it comes to covenant. Uh, but when we talk about covenant, covenant is how God deals with man. This is extremely important to understand this right here. So when we talk about a covenant, it's not trying to understand all the nuances and all the things of the intricacies of what it is, but it's to understand God deals with us according to the covenant that he's made with us. And so the reason that God dealt with David, the reason why he dealt with Noah, the reason why he dealt with Moses, and the reason why he dealt with the people of Israel is because of the covenant or the agreement or the promise that he had with them. And so this is how God deals with us, which means this. God doesn't deal with you based upon you. He deals with you based upon what? The covenant he has with Jesus on your behalf. Now, this is important because we deal with God based upon who? Us. Many times we look in the mirror, we see what we did on Friday, we look how we're just not acting right and speaking right and talking right and looking right, and so now we begin to distance ourselves from God. Why? Because we haven't lived up to what we believe we're supposed to live up to. How many have ever been there? So that you feel like somehow, some way, God must feel toward me based upon me. No, God feels about you based upon what? The covenant. And everybody said, resounding, amen, 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 amen. And so covenant now tells me how I can approach this God that is holy. So covenant is how God relates with me, but covenant also now tells me in the covenant, how can I approach a holy God? So in the old covenant, how did you have to approach God? You couldn't. You had to go before a priest. And then they also had a high priest that would enter into the holiest of holy on your behalf and meet with God. So that was how you could approach God in the old covenant. But we are no longer under the old one. We actually have a new covenant with God. And he says, now you can access me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you don't need a pastor, and you don't need a priest, and you don't need an animal sacrifice. So covenant now reminds me how he deals with me, but it also now shows me how I can approach him. Why am I allowed to approach him? Because of the covenant that he made with Jesus. That's the only reason I'm allowed to approach him the way that he does. When Summer, who is our daughter in our house, she doesn't have to ask me like a stranger to enter into the refrigerator. Are you following me? Why? Because she is my daughter. She has a right that my house is her house. My freedoms in her house are freedoms that she also is afforded because it's her, uh, she's part of our family. And then the last thing I wanted to say about covenant is that covenant is now how 
or establishes my standing before God. So when I stand before God, and Patty, you are God right now, okay? But you don't have to go into acting like you did last time, okay? So when I stand before God, my, the covenant tells me how I stand before her. Am I guilty or am I justified? Because of the? Now, how many struggle with that? How many struggle to stand before God and not have to go through? I can't sit there. I'm just joking. How many, how many struggle with the thoughts and the condemning thoughts and the guilt and the shame of things that you've done, the things that you should have done, the, the promises that you made that you did not keep, and you stand before God and you feel what? Guilty. You feel like I don't measure up to this amazing holy God. Why? Because you're focused on yourself. You're not focused on the covenant that he made. The covenant that he made establishes our standing before him. Let me make one final thought about this. The new covenant is dependent upon the worthiness of the sacrifice, not the worthiness of the sinner. Okay, now when we shared this about, a, about 15 months ago, this, I think, made one of the greatest impacts on all of us in this room is that when God looks at you, he looks at the Lamb of God who is what? Worthy and was slain before the foundations of the world. And so the covenant is based upon the worthiness of the lamb, not the worthiness of the sinner. And so we go, well, I just don't deserve. No, you never did. But the lamb died on your behalf, and the lamb was deserving. Therefore, you now are deserving to enjoy the presence of God. So covenant shows me how God deals with me. Covenant now shows me how I can approach God. Covenant now tells me how I can stand before God. And I know that covenant is dependent upon the sacrifice and it's not dependent upon me. Now, as you go through this, this series, I've asked you to focus on a couple of words. The first one was keep in mind the word intimacy. That's where God is bringing all of us to is a place of intimacy. He doesn't just want us to be his employees. He doesn't want us just to be his servants that go and do something for us. No, he wants first and foremost to what? I want you to know me. And I want to be known by you. And so that's intimacy. The second word that I asked you to kind of think about a couple of weeks ago was just this idea of conscience. Because it's very hard to be intimate with somebody that you feel very judged by or very, that someone's disappointed with you or that you owe them something. And so our conscience is the very thing that we even learned last week that keeps us from being able to relate with God freely. And the new covenant says you have no more past. So how can you have a bad conscience about your past if you actually have no more past? Because he says, I will remember your sins, what? No more. But the third word that I want you to keep in your mind as we go throughout the message today is enjoyment. I rarely find people who know how to enjoy God. That they're so free in what Jesus has done for them that they actually enjoy their relationship with God. I know people who love when God's hard on them. I know people who, who just feel so distant from God because of how bad they've acted or you know what, I just can't live up to that and they never fully enjoy God and yet we're called to what? Go into the world and tell everybody about this amazing God that is highly disappointed in us. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I talk to many of you, and we feel like, oh, man, God's so mad at me. He's so disappointed. Oh, my gosh, he's just so distant. And then we're like, hey, go evangelize, guys. Go tell people about this wonderful relationship you have with God. No, you'll never measure up with him, and that's okay, because Jesus measured up for you. And now I get to enjoy him. When I wake up, I don't have to go through a series of rituals and functions in order for me to be at a place where can I enjoy him. I can wake up and know that when I wake up, God looks at me, a smile gets on his face, and he says, my beloved son is up. That's freedom. I mean, that's truly freedom when you can finally enjoy a holy God and that you are not perfect. Because it's almost an impossibility for those two things to come into a place of unity unless he did something that we could never do, which he did. And so think about intimacy. Think about, uh, the second one was your conscience and then enjoyment. Because sometimes, and I used to live this way, because of function, me and God had such a serious relationship together. Why? Because there's dying people out there. Why? Because there's evil people out there. And so it's, you can't have any time for enjoyment with God. Why? Because of look around you. And I realized that God is not up on his throne up here just going, oh my goodness. He doesn't put his name in vain and say, dear God, what is wrong with these people? No, no, he's not up there. He's not moved by us. He's moved by him and by the covenant and what he did 2,000 years ago with Jesus on the cross. So he sees the mankind and the world as though he has extended his reconciliation to all of them and he's inviting all of them to come. And he is not moved by humanity. If he was, he wouldn't be God. And so we don't have to be moved by what I, we see. And oftentimes I know we live in a dark world. I know that when you look at our political system, it seems dark. When you look at our youth, it seems like, oh man, where are they going without God? When you see uh, the pop culture, you're like, man, where, where did they just... And so we, we can get so fixated on the darkness and forget that we are light to this world. And a light tends to go, hey, I found an answer and I'm happy about it. Like, I'm excited about life. And I hope that I can introduce people to an enjoyable relationship with God. And you don't just get over the night. I don't pretend that you all should just be skipping out here today like, hey, man, me and God are just having a fun time until you get in the car with your spouse and then it's like, all oh, it goes all that way. But there's a place where God is moving us to. It's a place where he wants us to just be free to enjoy him and to enjoy what he's done for us. Let's look at these passages. So we're gonna go through a series of passages today um, and then, like I said, there's two parts to it. So just follow along with me if you can. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 20. So look at this. Therefore, brethren, having what? Boldness. Boldness doesn't mean cockiness. It doesn't mean that you're overconfident. It just means that I can, boldness means I can come into the holiest without any fear if I deserve to come there. Boldness means like, Sarah and I, we, we have our real estate license, and so when you come up to a room or a, to a house and you schedule an appointment, there's a lockbox. They give you the code for that. The people that we're showing the home to do not have the code. So if they get in the house, it's because they broke in and there's no boldness when you're inside there, right? Because they're not there legally. When we get there, we type in the code, pop it out, the key comes out, we open it up. I can walk boldly into that home. Why? Because I've, 
I fulfilled all the requirements to do that. Jesus fulfilled all the requirements for me to walk into the presence of God and go, I belong here. Because the only reason I don't belong here is because of me, but because Jesus took care of me and he took care of my sin, I now have actually boldness to come into the presence of God. And it says, we come into the presence of the holiest by what? A blood of Jesus. Remember, it's about the worthiness of a sacrifice, not us. By a what? A new and a living way. I love this. This is a new way to access God. What I'm sharing with you is not something maybe you've always heard growing up or you always felt like a preacher ministered to you. This is a new and it's a living way that we can what? Which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And now we have a high priest over the house of God, so let us what? Let us draw near. Now I want you to see this draw near is a place of fellowship. I have a relationship with God based upon who? Jesus. But he says, now out of this relationship, so me and Sarah, as we mentioned last week, Brandon did, we are married. We have a marriage relationship. But it doesn't mean we always have fellowship. Are you following me? And so fellowship is me now coming in that place of knowing that this is secure because of Christ, and now I get a fellowship with God. And so he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full what? Full assurance. Do you know there's that place of being a believer, not perfect and having full assurance? How is that possible? That you don't have to live a a perfect, spotless, completely 100% obedient life to have full assurance of faith. Why? Because my assurance does not come from how well I perform for God. It comes from how well my, the sacrifice on my behalf was before God. Following me so far. So it says, come draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience. I don't need to have an evil conscience toward who I used to be. Why? Because it's been cleansed or cleansed. And it says, and our bodies washed with the pure water of God. Someone once said these words, and I thought it was really good. To run and work the law commands, yet gives, gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me to fly and it gives me wings. When the law says do this and do this and do this, it doesn't give you the power to do it. When grace comes, grace says you can fly with God and it says here's the wings to do so. And then the Holy Spirit's there to show you how to do that. The new covenant is made between who? The Father and the Please don't ever forget that statement. The new covenant is not between you and God. The new covenant is between God and Jesus entering into, if I live a life that is perfect and I die in the place of mankind, God the Father, that means you can actually be just while you justify humanity. Are you following me? So if somebody comes to the courtroom and they've committed a crime. Are you following me so far? They've committed a crime. Let's say they, they, they engaged in, in rape. I, I know it's a bad example, but they, they engaged in rape. They stand before the judge. The judge, what if he said, and everybody's standing there, he goes, I forgive him, he's free. What would we demand? Justice. Justice. So God can't just forgive mankind, otherwise he would. Justice had to be served. Therefore, Jesus had to satisfy the justice of God so that God could remain just and now say, I can justify mankind. And there's no accusation against him because he can say, look at the one who paid the price. 
Are you following me? So he actually, I'll stop saying, are you following me? I don't know why I keep on saying that today. So the new covenant is made between, are you, I'm just joking. Made between the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit is now there to make this new covenant work in us by teaching us. So now the Holy Spirit is in our life and he's now teaching us what? How to be righteous and how to think new and how to see new and how to be new and how to speak new and how to walk in newness of life and how to live in newness of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's there for you to teach you those things. I don't need to be that. I can help you as a pastor and as a teacher unlock certain truths, but ultimately you're going home with a greater teacher, a much better teacher that will say, I will show you how to see differently now. And so when you feel condemned by what you did, and this is one of the things the Lord showed me, is every time I sinned or crossed the line or a standard that I knew I held very true and high in my heart, and I crossed that line, guess what I would receive? I would receive the guilt and the condemnation and the guilt that I deserved. And the Holy Spirit began to teach me over these years going, so why do you receive that, Justin? Well, because I deserve it. I deserve to feel bad when I sin. Okay, that, that, that's what you believe you deserve. Then what did Jesus die for, Justin? Well, he died for me. And who, who did he die in place of? Well, he died in my place. And what did he receive on your behalf? He received all of the wrath and all of the punishment and all the guilt, shame, and condemnation that was afforded to me. Okay, then why are you receiving that? Why don't you receive what he gave you? And I began at the point of feeling guilty and condemned and ashamed I began to, like the Holy Spirit showed me, I began to receive the forgiveness of God. And I began to receive his mercy and I began to receive his grace, which was so hard because it was counter to what I what? Felt. And I had to begin to receive something now strictly by faith and not by how I felt. And the more that I did it, the more it empowered me to no longer go do the things that I felt like I was struggling with. And that was the change I didn't realize is the more I received what I felt I deserved, the more that it empowered me to go right back into that struggle. But when I started to receive his grace in that moment, it started to empower me to say, you know what? That has nothing to do with me anymore. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to think that way. I don't even have to have those desires anymore because I'm receiving something in that place. And so what is our purpose? And I really wanted to highlight this because of what Brandon brought up last week. What is our purpose, which is different from our calling? Many of you are on a journey of discovering, God, what have you called me to do? But we all have the same purpose, which is twofold, to house the Holy Spirit and to be a vessel for him to move through. So every single person, which was so eye-opening last, last week when Brandon shared this, every single one of us were created to be a temple for who? The Holy Spirit. That is why Jesus said, it is better that I what? Go away because when I do, I will send the Spirit who can actually now penetrate every single person's heart. And those who receive me, now the Holy Spirit will begin to fill them. And so not only am I there to house the Holy Spirit, but there has to be a reason why I'm housing him so that he can what? Flow through me. So when you turn on a faucet, there's a pipe at the bottom. That pipe is meant to allow the water to what? To house the water for a time in order for that water to get to the is it called the faucet or a spigot or whatever? 
get to the top, the, the, the top, and then it releases so that somebody can what? Partake of that water. So that pipe did absolutely nothing except what it was purposed to do. It didn't start the flow of water, and it didn't stop it. It just simply was a vessel and a house for that water to get to where it needed to go. The Holy Spirit wants to flood the entire earth with his presence. How does he do that? Not by falling down on the world, but by using us now to flood the presence of God wherever we go. So in the old covenant, and this will be on the screen, John, I believe it's visitation. In the old covenant, we had something called visitation so that people would cry out to God and God would what? He would visit them and he would consistently come. And that's where you saw um, it would be Moses and Joshua who uh, felt the glory of God and it was so thick and it was so strong in the temple of God that Moses left and Joshua stayed. Why? Because the presence of God, they visited, he visited God's people. What is cool, in the new covenant, he inhabits us. So in the old, he visits us, and this is gonna make sense in just a moment. In the new covenant, he inhabits us. If anybody ever had a perfume bottle or a cologne bottle, what's inside that bottle? Yeah, perfume or cologne. It's an aroma that's inside there. Can you smell it from a distance if it's just in the bottle? No. But when you spray it, what happens? It fills the air. And so that's what the new covenant is like. We are now housing the Holy Spirit. In order for somebody to experience God in my life, I have to be able to what? Release him into the, to the world. How do I do that? Hey, when you go through a various trial, count it all and praise God. And the moment I praise God, his presence starts to fill wherever I'm at. I'm not faking it. I'm not denying what I'm going through. I'm what? Releasing the presence of God in my moment. Just like in the old times, in the old covenant, when they were going through a tough time, what would they call on God for? Lord, come down and what? Your presence go before us. Now it's not that way. It's I'm going through a hard time. Father, I just lift up my hands and out of my mouth, I just begin to praise you and say, Lord, thank you for being with me. And now what I'm doing is the presence of God is now what was in me is now coming out. Are you catching on to that? Okay. So that's the difference between the two. God now inhabits his people. So I want to go over this passage that we did last week, Matthew chapter 9. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And I thought Brandon did a great job of explaining that when they fast in the old covenant, they were saying, God, we're fasting, now do something on our behalf. And Jesus is like, the reason why we don't fast is because I'm entering into a new way of doing life, a new and living way. And he says, and Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will what? Fast. Remember, fasting is not to get something from God. It's to release what is already in you. Now check out the next verse. No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment and the tear will be made worse. This is why many of us struggle to relate with God and to enjoy God. If you've ever struggled to enjoy God, it's because sometimes you're putting a patch on an old garment and you're trying to mix the two. And it says when you do that, the tear is made what? Worse. 
you're actually, you can't mix the law and grace. They are on, they're, they're not ever supposed to be mixed together, but we do it all the time. What do we do? January 1st rolls along and we want to what? We want to fix ourselves. And we want to make these commitments before God and these vows before God and these promises before God or something happens with our children or we go through something and we promise God, God, if you rescue me from this, I will serve you all my days. God, if you just help me to get through this financial situation, oh, I will bless your church so absolutely all the time. And so we make these promises and we set up these rules. I'm gonna pray this many times a day and I'm gonna pray for this amount of time. I'm gonna read my Bible all the way through this entire year until you hit like Genesis like 19 and you're like, man, this is a long book, you know? And then, and then what we do, what do we do? We start to feel bad because we didn't live up to the law that we set for ourselves. And now we're affected in our relationship with God because we set up these laws and we try to mix the two because we wanted him to be pleased by our function and we wanted to be closer because of our function. No, you're, he's pleased because of Jesus and you're close because of Jesus. And when you put your trust in there, then you can go ahead and read your Bible, but don't make it a law unto yourself. Enjoy it. Enjoy reading the word. Enjoy praying and sp spending time with him. Don't make it some, some law. And it says, so else the wineskins, or let's say, nor do they put new wine in old wineskins. So the Holy Spirit could not inhabit us until what? We were made new creations. Why did he make us a new creation? So that we could house the Holy Spirit and so we could be a vessel now and he could dwell in us. That to me is, that's remarkable understanding. It says, now we don't put the new wine in old wineskins or else the wineskins would actually break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins. So the first section of my message is about realizing God is in you. That's crazy. Yes, Father, God dwells in the third heaven. He sits up there. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but he sent his what? His spirit, who is not less than the other two, just a different function. And now that spirit dwells in Patty, dwells in Peggy, dwells in Tom, dwells in Carl. He dwells in all of us that, who have received Christ. And that's why he made us a new creation. This is why Paul said these words. It's not on the screen, Johnny. It says, for I have been what? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but who? Christ now lives where? In me. If you truly understand this reality, it changes the way that you live your life because you're no longer seeing God as someone beyond the walls and beyond the ceiling and somebody that you're trying to get him to come down. You realize Christ lives in me. So when I pray for somebody, I realize that Christ is using me as a vessel to pray. When I speak words of encouragement, Christ is using me as a vessel. How many times have we looked at ourselves and said, oh, I could never Oh, I will never do that. Oh, I could never do that. Why? Because we're so fixated on us, but not the one who is in us. This one's on the screen. It says Colossians 1, 26 and 27. And it talks about a mystery that has been a mystery for so long until Christ came. And it says the mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, which means Abraham, 
and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon and all these men, they could never understand what we're about to embark upon. And we look at them and go, wow, what an amazing man of God. Holy cow, man, I wish God would do that to me. I wish God would use me like that, not realizing they didn't have anything close to what we have. And it says, but now he has been, it has been revealed to who? This is a revelation that he now gives us a part, ability to see the very mystery that they've been wondering all along. And it says to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory in this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you. That's the mystery that is finally being revealed is that Christ by the spirit of God lives in every single one of you. And if you, we truly believe that it would change the way that we would pray, if we truly believe it would change that when I wake up, I'm not trying to now relate with God because something is missing between us, I realize that the Christ in me can easily relate to the God that I'm looking to. And it says that this is the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at Romans chapter 8. You can put that one up. It says, but now you are not in the, how many are in the flesh in this room? Okay, June, only honest person in this room. <laughs> She's like, of course, I'm in the flesh. Yeah, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm in the flesh. What that means is this, is that sometimes we think, oh, I need to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. This is the two places. Either you are not with Christ in the flesh, or if you are Christ, you're in the what? In the spirit. And sometimes we think we go in and out, in and out, in and out. And so that's why we live completely confused whether or not I'm in the spirit or I'm in Christ. Now look at what it says. But you are not in the flesh, but you are in the what? If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now let me just change this. You are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit if indeed you go to church every single week. If indeed you read your Bible all the time. If indeed you witness. No, no, it doesn't say that. But it says, you want to know if you're in the spirit? If the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is where? In you. I know we have this picture of Christ sitting on a throne way thousands, thousands, thousands of miles away, but where is Christ? In you. It says the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now look at this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells where? In you. I'm just trying to persuade you to a thought that God, by his sovereign amazingness, dwells in us who call, call him our Abba. That's where the spirit of God dwells. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who what? Dwells in you. So that's why there is no difference between me and Marianne, between me and Tammy, between me and Mary, and between me and Phil. People may feel like there's a difference People may think that God is more pleased with somebody who's a pastor or that he has something special. No, Christ dwells in me and he also dwells in her. What's the difference between the Christ that dwells in us? The only difference is who's going to spray the perfume more. That's the only difference. It's not a function. It's just one's going to release and one's going to hold them in and just live their life completely bottled up. 
And that's why we are the aroma to the world around us. And I have a friend, his uh, great young man named Matt Cruz. And you know what? People look at him and go, man, what is so special about him? You know what he does? Because he prays for people everywhere he goes, sees things that most people never even get to see. Why? Because he just chooses to overcome the fear and spray the bottle. And most of us are fearful of spraying the bottle. Well, how are they going to like it? What if they don't like the smell? What if they get mad at me? What if they don't say anything? And you'll never know what the aroma of Christ will do and how you can be a vessel. Because sometimes somebody just needs the water to flow so that when they grab the cup and drink, they go, what was that that I just drank? And you get overjoyed. And Sarah just had a great opportunity with a, a, a lady that's uh, close to us and she asked Sarah this question after hearing Sarah's story and all the crazy things that she's been through. She goes, do you really believe in Jesus? And Sarah, with great confidence in her heart, could say, yes, I actually really believe in him. And what was she doing? It's all, it's all we can do. You can't try to get a person in a headlock and say, you know what, believe in Jesus. I'm going to give you a noogie, you know. But that's what we've used to done. Like we corner a person and they just want to know, okay, how do I get out of this corner? What do I, what do I need to do? You know, want me to pray a prayer? Okay, let's, quit, let's pray a prayer. That's not, that's not the name of the game. The name is to spread the aroma of Christ wherever we go because he lives where? In us. So that was the first part of the message is just understand that Christ is in you. Now here's the second part, not as long, but the second part is with the new covenant, sin is no longer the issue between me and God. I, Justin Kane, I am not trying not to sin. I'm not living a life trying not to make him unhappy. He took care of something 2,000 years ago. Jesus sits on the throne. He is victorious. His name is above every other name. I'm not going to screw that up. I can't screw that up. So the sin is not the biggest issue between me and God. He took care of that 2,000 years ago. Does sin affect my fellowship with God? Yes, it does. If I, if I flirt with other girls, that's going to affect my ability to relate with my wife. Can I get an amen? And so it's not that it, it affects God that way. It affects me being able to relate intimately with God. So what is the issue between all of us and God if it's not sin? Belief. This is the biggest thing for all of us is who is going to believe what he said? Some of us are going to come in the presence of God and feel guilty, and they're going to live that way, and they're going to grow distant from God because, man, he's just so mad at Who told you that he's mad at you? Well, I just, man, he just, I just feel it. Okay, who told you that? And the greatest difference between all of us is going to be who's going to believe what he said. And this new covenant is not based upon my sin or my not sinning. This covenant is based upon one thing. Will I believe in what Jesus did? If we're all on a flight and the airplane's going and the captain comes over and goes, uh, the plane is going down. We are all going to die. At this time, we are going to pass out parachutes to every single person on this plane. If you choose to put the parachute on, you will live. If you choose not to put the parachute on, you're going to die. Okay. Some people are going to be like, put it on and go like, man, this is so uncomfortable. I don't even like the way that looks on me. And so they will take the parachute off and say, you know what? This Jesus thing doesn't work for me. And that's all God is saying is who's going to put Jesus on? Because at the end of the day, we're all going down. And this is not to get to heaven. This is to live a brand new life. And so I wear the parachute boldly and proudly. It doesn't look well with my outfit, but you know what? It doesn't matter because Jesus is not in your life to make your life look better. He's in your life so that you can enjoy a relationship with God. 
and I just have to put it on. There's no function to it. You don't, you don't earn a parachute. It's given to what? Every single person on the plane. Nobody earned it. Not just the people in first class and the ones in the, the back of the, 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 the plane don't get it. No, it, it, it belongs to everybody. So look at this, Hebrews chapter four, and then we're gonna, go, we're gonna close with one longer passage. For indeed, this is, this is wild to me when I saw it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to who? Them. Think, talking of Abraham. And you read Hebrews, you'll see the gospel, he, he spoke the gospel to them in so many different ways. The people of Israel knew the gospel by the tabernacle and by the priests and by the blood and all that stuff. And it says, but the word which they heard did not what? Isn't that crazy? So you can know about the new covenant, but it may not benefit or profit your relationship with God because it was not mixed with what? Huh. So it's knowledge, which is great, and then you mix it with I believe it. That's when it starts to change your life. Otherwise, we can go into churches and we can go, okay, hey, it's not about believing, it's about doing. So you know what? Hey, everybody, please, um, I need you guys to love people more, and I need you guys to start praying more. I need you guys to start serving more. I need you guys to start giving more. I need you guys to start loving your wife more. Uh, I need you to start witnessing more. And then we just throw function, 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 function. And guess what? The ones who function better seem to rise to the top and everybody's like, holy cow, they're amazing Christians. Like they got this thing down when we don't know what's going on. But at the end of the day, what if we had a group of people that it wasn't about the function because that will come as the Holy Spirit leads you. It's about what? Who's gonna believe this? Who's gonna believe in what I'm about to read from Romans chapter three? Now watch these set of passages because that's the question. Who is gonna mix faith with what I'm about to share? Who's gonna put on Christ and say, you know what? I believe that. Are you with me still? Romans chapter three, let's go over this. Last passage, a number of verses. But now the righteousness of God, a what? A part it's a long passage, Ryan, so you might be waiting. <laughs> the righteousness of God apart from the law. So there is something that God is about to show us about his righteousness, and it has nothing to do with you obeying the law. Is revealed, it was witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which comes through what? Faith, through mixing with faith, in who? Oh, I love this so much because I don't have to put faith in Justin Cain and how well I can hold on to God and how well I can believe God and how well I can serve God and how well I can give to God. No, I have to put my faith in one person who did it perfectly on my behalf and his name is Jesus. To all and on all who live right. What does it say, folks? Who believe. I sat with a lady, I'm not sure if she's here, and we, we had a conversation after service a few weeks ago, and I could tell she was a little bit agitated, but she said, so what you're saying is all I have to do is believe. I said, yeah. Then what? 
and I know it's a frustration we all face. Then what? What do I do? I said, the best thing I can share with you because I know what you're looking for is listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, what kind of answer is that? Right? Because I know the frustration is that we, we want somebody to give us a script. Show me how to do this. Show me what to do. Show me when to do it. Show me how to say it. Show me what to say to God, and then I can do that. Well, that's not relationship. It's nothing to do with relationship. If, if I was literally reading a book every single day and following it to a T, and Sarah was amazed at how well I was being her husband, and then one day she picked up the book and was like, he's just following a script. What would it make her feel like? Yeah, it would make her feel like he's just doing, he's just following a script. And I know sometimes, ladies, you wish we would follow at least a little bit of a script. So that, 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 that illustration has holes in it, that's for sure. It says, for there is no difference for all. Have what? Every single one of you. So it's no longer about our sin. It's about what? Who's gonna believe? Because to all and on all who believe. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 24, John. Being what? Justified, which means this. Declared innocent in the courtroom of heaven. So when I stand before God, you want to be God again? I stand before God. The enemy goes, hey, he did this and he did this and he did this and he did this. And God goes, okay, you have all these accusations coming. And I go, I believe in him. And Jesus stands there with the holes in his hands going, he's justified. And now hell can no longer accuse me and get me off of the place of what Jesus did for me because I now stand justified freely. I'm innocent in the courtroom of heaven because of what? Grace, which is through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent forth as a propitiation, which means a wrath-satisfying sacrifice. That means that there was a wrath that was against mankind. Jesus was the sacrifice. It satisfies God's wrath. Therefore, I can now be freely justified. Now, look at this by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be what? Just. And that's how I shared it with you earlier. He had to remain just. You can't just forgive everybody unless somebody paid the penalty. So this was allowing him to remain just and to justify the one who had what? In Jesus. Are you seeing the simplicity of this? I hope this is not complicated to you because I'm trying to get this to a place where this is all about your faith in Jesus. So how I stand before God is because of who I put my faith in. And his name is Jesus. Now look at verse 27. So where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, by the law of what? Faith. That's the new law that we're under is faith, believing. Therefore, we conclude that a man is what? Justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and who? 
the uncircumcised by faith, so Jew and Gentile, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, it's established. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law on my behalf, and now I get to enjoy God. I get to literally enjoy him. When I wake up, I get to enjoy a relationship with him because I know there's nothing between me and him. And if there is an issue that I'm struggling with, sin or with crazy thinking, the Holy Spirit is there to show me how to walk through that. And that, that allows me now not to feel like this is broken. He shows me my sin, not to condemn me, but to get rid of it. And that is one of the most freeing and comforting things is to know the Holy Spirit is there to go, let's not play with that anymore. I remember there was a show that I was watching about five, five, four years ago, and I was watching a number of episodes, and it was a, a daily sitcom or something of the sort, and I just remember um, two times that I was watching, the Lord said, that's not for us. No condemnation, no guilt, but you know what happened when I watched it again? <laughs> that bad. Have you ever been there? Anybody ever been there before? Okay. You all look at me with judgmental eyes, so... <laughs> Like, he told you to stop, and you watched one more. And so when I watched it again, there is no more delight or pleasure in it. And that was the grace of God that just reminded me, Justin, that's not for you. That's not for your mind. It's not for your heart. That's not who you are. Look at verse uh, 4, chapter 4, verse 1. So what then shall we say, or what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by his works, putting his son on the altar, he must have something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham what? God. Yep, not believed in God. There is a difference. Believe in God is I believe that there is a God. Believe in God is I believe what he did and what he said on my behalf. So he believed God and therefore his account was credited with something, which is what? Are you seeing this? So the moment I believe Jesus, my, I go to my account, and I open it up, and it goes, righteous. Wait, 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 where's the guilt and the shame? Oh, he took those. They're in his account. Wait, wait, I get what he deserved? Yep, that's called grace. And that's called the favor of the Lord is now on your life, Justin. And everything that Jesus deserved was now granted to you. And now your account is full of righteousness. It's full of joy. It's full of peace. It's full of freedom. It's full of all these different things. And now you get to partake of what he actually gave you because it's a gift. And here's the final couple verses. And then, uh, um, Val, you can come up. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not, what? Work, but, thanks, we're all together, right? But believes, like, right, let's just get over with this. But, but believes on him who justifies who? How many were ungodly? Keep, put them all up. How many, he's the one who justified the ungodly. His faith is accounted now. For righteousness. And at the end of the day, the question is, as Vale is going to sing this song, who's going to mix this with faith? Who's going to come up here this morning and go, you know what, as we receive communion, who's going to come up here this morning and go, I believe. 
I believe that this body that was broken for me 2,000 years ago has allowed me to live a life that is whole. And I believe that the blood that was shed for me has cleansed me from all my sins in my past and that I am justified before the courtroom of heaven and I can receive the gift of righteousness. Father, I believe that. And I mix faith with what I've heard today so that I could walk as a son of God and I can enjoy you again. Remember, intimacy, clear conscience, and enjoyment. I want you guys to believe what he said about you. This is the covenant that he made with you so that you could enjoy your relationship with God, not because you went to church four times a month, not because you gave your money away, not because you served so well the people of God, but because you're his son and you are his daughter. And now it's out of that, go serve, go give, go be who you are, but don't try to be something by doing it, just enjoy. And this song she's about to sing is about freedom. It's about freedom from being once in the grave and now we're alive in Jesus Christ, amen? So as she sings this song, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to come up here and to receive communion this morning. I'm gonna ask Byron if you can and Diego if you can come up to receive communion. And when you do, just say you believe if, you, if you're there. And if you're not there, take your time. God meets us always where? Right where we're at. To infuse us with faith to say, you know what, Father? If you don't believe, say this, Father, help me to believe this. Help me to understand it. Help me to see it for what it really is. And he will open your eyes to do that. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, as Vail sings this song, I thank you for the anointing of God that is on her voice, that when she sings, chains are coming broken. I thank you that eyes are being opened, that understanding is being enlightened in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for the word.